to Women Who Lead. I'm Ann Thomas. On this edition of the show, we'll talk medicine, politics, and mental health for 2021 and 2022. We'll get started with three great guests after these messages. Welcome to Women Who Lead. I'm Ann Thomas, and as the year comes to a close, I thought it would be interesting to talk about the many health issues women had to deal with in 2021 during the ongoing pandemic, and also what they can expect to deal with and should be dealing with in 2022. Dr. Allie Ruff is a Michigan Medicine internal medicine doctor, and she is here with me now to be a part of this conversation. Doctor, it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you for having me. So start out and talk a little bit about what women were dealing with in 2021. Maybe maybe start with COVID, Dr. Ruff. I mean, COVID, of course, I don't think we can think of any aspect of our lives right now without thinking of COVID. And I think women have been in a really unique situation this year in that they haven't only been in charge of their own health and taking care of themselves, but women oftentimes are the ones who are taking care of their whole families. So this year was a mix of dealing with ill family members who may or may not have COVID, protecting their loved ones, and also oftentimes managing schooling at home, quarantines, and often putting themselves kind of on the back burner to all those other responsibilities. And what's your recommendation with regard to COVID and the vaccine and what women should be doing to make sure that they're taken care of and their families are taken care of? I think first and foremost, as you know, we've heard medical professionals say over and over, getting the vaccine is the most helpful thing you can do. And even if not everyone in the family is on board with that decision, you as the person in charge of your kind of health of your family should make sure you personally get vaccinated. Additionally, making sure your children get vaccinated is really very important to protect yourselves. We know that vaccination and we're seeing all over the news that it's not 100%. It doesn't guarantee you won't get COVID. But we know it guarantees that you'll do better with it if you do, and it is the best thing and really the only thing in your control to keep yourselves healthy. And what would you say to the women in our audience um, that are hesitant and they're unsure and they're worried about side effects? There, those are really legitimate worries. And I think it's a very challenging decision to make. And we know that some people do have side effects, but compared to the tragic illness we're seeing in people who end up in the hospital, in the intensive care units, the side effects you may or may not experience from the vaccine will pale in comparison to those terrible after effects. We are still seeing people coming in with what we call long COVID, which is these extended symptoms that are going on for months. And we don't always know what to tell them. We don't have good solutions or treatments for that. And so while we know that a vaccine can cause some minor side effects early on, muscles aches, fevers, that is much more short-lived than this terrible epidemic of long COVID that we're seeing. Now, the other thing that has occurred at the start of the pandemic, I'm not sure if it went that much into this year, but a lot of people put going to the doctor on hold. And I know women did for sure. So talk a little bit about some of this research that indicates that women did not show up at the internist. You you were not as busy during the pandemic with regard to regular checkups, maybe busy with COVID, but it's an interesting study. 
Yes, a lot of women put off their routine care. I mean, a lot of people in general, but we know that women oftentimes shouldered the burden of school at home, of caring for loved ones. And it just became that, you know, your own health went on the back burner. And at first it was really because we were saying, don't leave your house, don't go get your mammogram, don't go get your colonoscopy. Those things can wait so we can flatten that curve early on. But now it's a combination of, you know, we're doing other things, we're busy with other things, but also women are getting into the habit of putting themselves last, of saying, you know, I waited two years for my mammogram, what's one more year? But it's actually one more year is the difference between finding a breast cancer at a really small, manageable stage and finding something that's much harder to deal with and much more life-threatening. What are all the different tests that women should make sure that they have regularly, doctor? Um, so the ones that we really think of in terms of women health are the mammogram, which societies recommend you get every one to two years, and a pap smear, which in healthy women should be done every five years. But we also need to include all of the other tests that we think of for screening that oftentimes we think of for men, such as cholesterol screening, diabetes screening, colonoscopy, which should be done every 10 years for healthy people. And we know that colon cancer is a major killer of women too. I think the other big thing that people have really let go on the back burner during this pandemic is their diet and exercise. Mm -hmm. A lot of folks really have put taking care of themselves, both their physical health and their mental health on the back burner as well. And the new year can be a really great time to say, wait a second, not just say, I'm going to make a resolution to go to the gym every day, but really take a global look at your health and say, what can I be doing to feed my body and my soul better? So talk a little bit more about that as we enter into the new year. What a great suggestion to kind of maybe have a reset as a woman and say, you know what, 2022, we're still in the pandemic, but I'm going to do some things for myself. So talk a little bit about what we should do for ourselves going into 2022. I think that's so important because I think not only should we be going to the doctor and getting our routine screenings, but we should be saying, what can I do to find time for myself? In addition to seeing that women are not doing their mammograms and not doing their pap smears, we're also seeing that women are having an increase in stress, in mental health issues, in anxiety, in depression. And a lot of that has come with the increased responsibilities that we've shouldered during this pandemic. But I think while it's very scary out there still, we are hopefully at a turning point with vaccines, with schools reopening, and it really does provide a good opportunity for women to take a step back and say, I've been a caregiver for this long. Now what do I have to do to care for myself? How can I take 10 minutes or 30 minutes a day to focus on something that's important to me, be it exercise, be it meditation, be it just calling a friend, another woman in the pandemic who's all alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because I think women are kind of like the leaders of the gang, the leaders of the family. And the attitude that I have about my health and about the pandemic, it passes on to my family. You know, they're kind of watching me to see how I'm dealing with this. Are you seeing that with a lot of other women too? 
Yes, I think women set the standard for the rest of their family. I think if women are working on healthy eating and healthy exercise, sometimes their spouses will join in, but also it sets a really good example for their children. Children right now are also experiencing huge burdens from the pandemic and lots of stress, and they need to see us cope with it well. It is good for a child to see their mom say, wait a second, I need to take a step back and take 30 minutes for myself, for my mental health, to do what I need to do or to take care of my body. And you can incorporate your whole family in that. It doesn't have to be something you do alone. Maybe it's doing meal prep with your children. Maybe it's going on a walk with your spouse. But getting you know weight and diet and stress under control is probably just as important as getting in to see your doctor. Um, it's all these little things that we can do to improve both our physical and our mental health. You know, it's interesting because you always hear about how men don't go to the doctor. Well, now we're kind of dealing with the same thing with women. They're not all that great about going to the doctor right now either. That's true. I find right now that women are better about prodding their husbands to go than they are to going themselves. Whereas it used to be women would come and then they'd be like, oh, I'm going to drag my husband along. Now I find a lot of women out there are really focused on their, their spouses and their children's health, but less on their own. And, you know, I'm a big fan of saying to people, especially my own children, you know, get vaccinated and then get out there and be safe, but, but get going, you know, start living again and having a life. And you can do that safely, I think. What are some tips for that to, to once you're vaccinated, to get out there and, and have a nice day and live like you did? We're human beings and we need to do that. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that people say with the vaccine as well. Hang on, it's not going to 100% prevent me from getting COVID. And that's true. But we also know it's probably going to keep you out of the hospital in the ICU. And eventually we are going to have to get back to life as normal. You're going to have to go back and see your friends. You're going to have to go back to your place of worship. You're going to have to go back to the gym. And so now we know if you're vaccinated and you wear a mask, you can do the things you used to do. It's okay to go to school functions. It's okay to go to work functions as long as you're safe. And a vaccine, while not foolproof, is going to prevent you from getting deathly ill with this thing. And if your whole family is vaccinated, then worst case scenario, you bring something back to your fully vaccinated family and they're gonna be okay too. And so the most important thing is to get vaccinated and wear a mask when you're in a crowded situation. But I do agree that we are never going to recover our mental health and our kind of normal lives until we get over that fear of going back out. Exactly. Dr. Allie Ruff, Michigan Medicine, internal medicine doctor. Thank you for the great advice. And it was nice to meet you today. We really appreciate all the help with this. No problem. It was nice to meet you too. You are listening to Women Who Lead. We'll be back right after these messages. listening to Women Who Lead. And now we check in with Congresswoman Debbie Dingell. Debbie, it's really nice to see you. Thank you for joining me today. And I love joining you. I always love talking to you. And thank you for what you do for women every day in so many different ways. It's really nice of you to say. I appreciate that. You know, I thought today it would be interesting to talk a little bit about 2021 politics in 2021, the year, and then look forward to 2022. And the reason I picked you, Debbie Dingle, is because you're the most positive politician I know, 
and 2021 has been a very difficult year. So why don't we look back and talk about some of the challenges of the year? Well, thanks for that. I, I, I can't wait to say goodbye to 2021. Let me start there. I thought 2020 was one of the worst years that I had experienced, and 2021 showed me things could get worse. Uh, it started at the beginning of the year before we even inaugurated a new president with January 6th, right. where we saw the Capitol attacked uh, in a way that nobody could ever have imagined. Our democracy was really at stake that day. Uh, and that day, Republicans and Democrats worked together. When we were on the floor of the House and didn't know what was going to happen, uh, people came together to, to put barricades against the door to make sure that people were safe. A young Republican new member uh, watched out for me so carefully as we were being uh, rushed out to our undisclosed location and making sure that I wasn't uh, smashed or didn't fall running down the stairs. Uh, so there were good moments in a difficult day. And the country is still debating January 6th and some of the things that happened then. Uh, but then we inaugurated a new president, and many people didn't even want to give him a chance to succeed. We have people that are attacking each other every day. They don't want to listen to each other. You know, you can disagree agreeably. You know, we can have different opinions. Look, I learned from people who have different perspectives, have seen life from a different side that I have, who have had an experience that makes you think, hmm, maybe I should stop and think. We need to do more of that, not less of it. And I really do believe, and I'm going to say this to you today, that there are people that are trying to destroy the fundamental pillars of our democracy. And I hope that people will wake up and understand that. And then we're looking at COVID. How did wearing a mask or getting a vaccine become so political? Why are people yelling at school board members and teachers in classrooms? And it's not okay. We have got to remember that civility matters, that it's a really important part of our democracy, respecting each other, treating each other with dignity. And I, uh, I am concerned about what's happening in this country, and I think things have deteriorated in this past year, and we all need to worry about that. And, you know, I want our listeners to know that I talked to you that day on January 6th when you were barricaded behind closed doors and you were told that you couldn't leave. And I don't think that this will be offensive to you, but I felt like you were really frightened. And it made me feel bad, and I was afraid for you. So people should know that congressmen and women that day were petrified. Well, we didn't know what was happening. I mean, it's in, you know, the people, here is a reality that people don't want to accept or think about. People came to the Hill that day to kill people. And yet that happened in our country. So I want to look beyond that. I want 2022 to be a year we're going to have elections again. We got to make sure that people know their elections are safe and secure, that we're not. People have spent a year trying to undermine people's confidence in the electoral system. We have clerks in Michigan, Democrats and Republicans, who have said this process has never been more safe. 
uh, I want everybody to take a deep breath. We've got a nonpartisan commission that's doing the redistricting. It's not about any one person. It's about making sure that we've got strong districts that represent community of interest in the geographical area they're from. We gotta really think about what we want our future to be. And I hope everybody will participate in the elections in 2022. If you don't like what you're seeing, get out there and vote. That vote's important, but that vote is sacred. We gotta protect it and people need to know that it matters. And you know, I'm sure you've thought long and hard about this, but what could happen in 2022? How could we change certain people's minds with regard to this whole idea that if we don't agree, then that's it. You're, you're just off my, you're off my chart. I'm never going to talk to you again. And by golly, I'm going to be really rude. Why can't we um, agree to disagree in a nice way? What's wrong with that? I think we all have to work at it. You know, I was at a bridge opening last week and a group of anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers uh, came up and wanted to talk to me. I talked to them and they were like, you're talking to us. Other people won't talk to us. I, you know, I understand people's fear. You know this because Absolutely. you were the people that had to help talk me into getting <laughs> vaccinated because I did have a reaction to a swine flu shot years ago. I was partially paralyzed for a little while with Gayon's beret. So I understand that fear. I also understand that, you know, look at Michigan, we're surging. Uh, we've got the highest number of cases in the country. We're in the bottom third of people that have been vaccinated. But I don't yell at people. I try to talk to them. And if, you know, I've talked to lots of infectious disease doctors before I got the courage to get the first shot. And by the way, I didn't die. So I was like first in line to get the booster because I knew I wasn't gonna die at that point. But having, get doctors that will help talk people through their fears, help them understand why it matters. Many parents are worried about their kids wearing masks in the schools. Look, it's not ideal. A lot of people hate wearing masks, but I don't want people to get sick. We didn't say this. When polio was devastating this country, smallpox has been eradicated because of these kinds of vaccines. But we should get people together to talk about it, not scream at each other and help people understand why it does matter and address those fears and anxieties that they have. Well, and you bring up an important point. You know, my mom has Guillain-Barre too. And so there was another conversation at our house about whether or not she should be vaccinated. And to be brutally honest, it was very controversial. You know, some doctors thought that she should and other doctors said absolutely not. She did end up getting vaccinated, and she is fine, just like you, but it is an issue. You know, there are reactions to the shots, and so what I think is important is that people try to really pay attention to the science and go to the doctor, either talk to their internist or talk to their pediatrician if they have children, and really try to listen to the doctor, follow the science. You're absolutely right. And that's why I talked to a lot of infectious disease doctors. I learned the science. I learned about live vaccines, which I still should not get. Uh, I don't get flu shots. And I'll say that to everybody right now. But doctors, the science says, don't get another flu shot. Uh, this was using a different technology. But we need to follow the science. We need to follow the facts. And you know what? We just 
honestly, we need to listen to each other. We need to maybe understand where an anxiety or a fear or perspective is coming from. And uh, it sounds corny, but if we do that, maybe we can learn and find common ground and move forward. Are other congressmen and women listening to what you're saying about trying to work together and working harder about listening to each other? Are you making any progress with this? I have many friends across the aisle. I am probably one of the Democrats that goes to the other side, listens and talks to people. You know, there are a couple members that, um, you know, unfortunately got into a screaming match with one of the members because she was really being rude and trying to uh, uh, disrupt something. And I, and I said to her, why can't you be civil? But I, I really try to learn from them if we have a disagreement. But I also try to introduce bills where we do have common ground, where we do have agreement. OK, help me on this. And everybody knows in Michigan, and they're probably sick of it, Fred Upton is one of my best friends. Uh, I, I deeply respect him. We talk five, six, seven times a day. And by the way, we challenge each other more than, you know, it's what two friends do. Hey, you know, are you thinking about this? Or are you thinking about this? We should do this. That's what you got to do. You got to talk to each other. You got to learn from each other. You got to think about things. You know, there are three circles, 360 degrees. Different people have different experiences. Those experiences should be brought to trying to solve problems. And we need to do more of that. We should not, right now, what I am worried about is that people just don't, hey, I don't want to give that person any win. Well, I want to win for the people of Michigan. And I'll give you an example of something we're seeing in the month of December. I'm really worried about Look, Michigan is a mobility state. We've always been the home of the auto industry. We put the world on on wheels. And we have every major company from GM, Ford, Stellantis, LG, SK, Toyota, myriad more looking to build battery plants. Michigan wasn't getting any of them because we weren't playing the way it should have been a wake-up call and was when Kentucky and Tennessee got big Ford plants. The legislator, legislature saying, okay, why aren't we getting this? So people are talking to each other and say, how do we make Michigan competitive for generations to come? It's a beginning, but people talk to each other and realize that that lack of working together wasn't working. I talked to these companies and they're like, we go to other states, they put out the red carpet. We don't know if anybody's Republican or Democrat. That's what we got to do in the state of Michigan, work together for the people of Michigan. So before I let you go, it sounds like your messaging is, please be civil in 2022, and let's talk to each other no matter what party we're in. I agree with that. And one little thing, I know this sounds corny, but acts of kindness, a little act of kindness towards anybody can change the trajectory of a person's day or week. And I've met people that changed a life. So maybe if instead of just being angry or wanting to, let's just try being kind to each other. Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, thanks for your time today. It was nice to see you and nice to talk to you. Thank you. Good to see you. You are listening to Women Who Lead. We'll be back right after this. And to close, 
close out the show, we turn to Donna Rockwell, a clinical psychologist practicing in Michigan and New York. And Donna is also an adjunct faculty member at Saybrook University College of Integrative Medicine and Health Services. And Donna, thank you for being on the show today. It's a pleasure to be with you, Anne. Thank you for inviting me. And on this show today, Donna, we've already talked to Dr. Allie Ruff. She's a Michigan medicine, internal medicine doctor. And we also talked to Congresswoman Debbie Dingell. And they both talked about the need to take care of ourselves. And so Dr. Ruff talked a lot about how women did not really take care of themselves during the pandemic. They didn't go to their regular exams. They didn't do as much exercise. They didn't eat as well because, frankly, they were dealing with a lot of other issues and they were really, really stressed out. So I'm turning to you now to kind of help us with this. What kind of advice do you have knowing what went on in 2020 and 2021? How can you help us get a good, fresh start in 2022? Well, honestly, that to me is my favorite question because women tend to, because we're nurturers, put other people first. We care about our children, our partners, our parents. So many of us are caring for parents and children, um, and now grandchildren come along. So it's very difficult for women to put themselves first. I heard something a while ago, which made all the sense in the world to me, which is that when you're flying on a plane, we're instructed that we have to put on our own oxygen masks before we can assist others. And even though as women, we don't believe that's true, we think we can just keep giving and giving and giving without taking oxygen for ourselves first. That is where we make a gigantic mistake. Because Even though we think we're giving, we can't give more to another person than we're actually giving to ourselves. We can't be kinder to others than we are to ourselves. And this is a very hard lesson for women, the nurturing breed, to get through our heads, that we really do need to apply our own oxygen masks first. If we do that, we're full. And then we have so much to give. If we don't, we're empty. And what we give is tainted with that, with our exhaustion, our frustration, our intolerance of any more stress. So really, when we're talking about these self-care techniques, they're not selfish. They're stress reducers. So, Donna, what are some of these techniques? How do we put the oxygen mask on first? I think the way we do that, you know, and I'm a big proponent of mindfulness. What does mindfulness mean? Mm-hmm. Such a catch, catchy word, but no one knows what it means. What it means is to simply be where we are right now in this moment. The reason we have so much stress, Anne, is because most of the time we're either bemoaning what's happened in the past or catastrophizing about what's going to happen in the future. Not that these aren't extraordinarily stressful times. They are. But if we are constantly thinking about, oh my gosh, from yesterday, and oh no for tomorrow, we're missing this very moment. And also, we're activating our physiology to be in stress. 
What we need to do, honestly, it's so simple, but yet so difficult, is to recognize when we're doing that, when we're ruminating about the past or being terribly frightened about the future, that is the alarm clock to say, oh, I'm ruminating, and to simply return to, to now to this present moment. Why? Because this is some woo-woo spiritual thing? Actually, no. This is about our brains and activating the relaxation center versus the fight or flight center. The fight or flight comes out of our amygdala, which is the most reptilian part of the brain. That makes us, you know, get away from the lion in the middle of the jungle when we need to. But that is activated all the time. And so we're dripping, dripping, dripping the cortisol that comes from the amygdala, which turns into adrenaline, which creates chronic disease. So really it behooves us to figure all this out. So thank you for doing the show and thank you for asking this question because what we need to do is come back from our worry to right now. And right now I see green grass, I hear a lawn service, I smell the coffee brewing, I see your face through our Um, virtual connection here. So what we do is we recognize incoming stimuli, incoming um, experience through our five senses. That's how we come back to the present moment. What we see, what we hear, what we feel, what we taste. And we can then be present. And then you know what happens? Our amygdala stops pumping cortisol. Our prefrontal cortex, which is our wisdom, calm mind comes back online, and then we actually can do something for someone else. So when a woman sits down and she says, you know, Dr. Donna Rockwell, I am just stressed out. I'm pulled in a gazillion different directions. I have to deal with parents. I have to deal with work. I have to deal with children. I have to deal with grandchildren. And I really don't know what to do. And you start the process of mindfulness. What else can a person do once they've listened to you and they've centered themselves and brought themselves back to reality? What are some of the other things that they could do that would be helpful? Well, certainly what we're looking at here is how do we calm our physiology, right? Right. How do we collect ourselves? It's the notion of sort of gathering all our wits and being able to utilize them. And the ways to do that are so simple. We've heard them all, you know, go out for a walk in nature. You know, even sometimes I'm working so hard all day long writing or talking to people, I'll walk to the front door and open it. I'll breathe in. I'll see the color of the trees. Take some nice long breaths, calm myself, and then close the door and go back to work. (laughs) What that does is it restarts my brain. You know, so we need to take these pauses all through our day. And women particularly tell me that they don't have any time, but I don't have any time. Well, we have to make the time and, you know, not to be too um, off colored, but I say to women, you go to the bathroom, don't you? Right. So when you're sitting there, just take that opportunity to breathe, gather yourself, bring yourself back into this moment your body right now, feel your feet on the floor, put your hand to your cheek, feel the skin of your palm against your cheek, presencing really, if you will. And if we can do things like that, then to answer your question, what we do next is whatever is asked of us, you know, whatever that next moment has as a challenge, 
we face it. And what are we facing it with? All of ourselves, not just a tiny top layer of anxiety saying, what now, what now, what now should I do? So we really need to settle the thing. And then it's extraordinary how wise we each actually are. And when we can settle our minds, then we have access to all of these riches within us. You know, women are wise. We have an innate ability to read the world because in an evolutionary sense, we've had to. You know, we've been the caretakers in the tribe as the hunter and gatherers go out. We, we know how to do this, but we need to take care of ourselves and be kind to ourselves. Another thing, Anne, that we can do is change our internal dialogue. We're constantly like, oh, I did that again. Oh, my gosh, I'm so stupid. Oh, God, when am I going to ever get this right? With that sort of dialoguing, we can't be happy and we actually can't be present. So we have to change our internal conversation and be self-loving, be compassionate to ourselves first. I think the Dalai Lama says, um, if you want to be happy, have compassion for yourself. <laughs> if you want to be happy and make other people happy, we have to start there. You know, it's interesting you say this because it seems to me that people are very tough on themselves these days, and they're also really tough on others. What do you think about that? That comes directly out of my notion that we can't be any more present or kind to someone else than we are to ourselves. So remarkably, when we do start to change that inner dialogue, and most women have it, this is not rare. <clears throat> you know, we're trained to do it. We're trained to feel like we're not enough. Because that's how the system works. Then we have to go buy that other shade of lipstick. Or are you kidding me? That's the best eyeliner. And if I eat this kind of food, then I'll be such and such. So I think for women, our greatest challenge is to rely on an inner compass to trust ourselves rather than measuring ourselves to an external world. So it's really a catch-22 because... What I'm saying right now is we need to have self-possession. Mm -hmm. We need to like be present with all of our wisdom and self, but yet we are constantly bombarded in every kind of media, especially now with social media, that yeah. there's so much negative messaging. We have to be so, so centered, so in this moment to say no to that incoming information and to actually feel way good enough rather than not good enough. We need to be able to connect with our inner riches and brilliance and know it. I mean, and where I tell people is to put your hands underneath your belly button and just hold your, your um, gut down there and close your eyes and just breathe for a little bit and we get reconnected to our wisdom. They say, <clears throat> follow your gut because that's where so much of our kind of brain cells still are from when, when, when we were embryos. Sure. So really you know, hold your belly there and ask yourself, what's true for me right now? One of the things that I have noticed during the pandemic, and I have a feeling you can relate to this too, is that it was kind of like all eyes on me as to how I was reacting to the pandemic. 
with my own family, with my children. In other words, as a woman running a family or in charge of a family or part of a family, it's very important how we feel about dealing with the pandemic and having a good mental attitude because people are working off of that. And I've never heard anything more true. And I think what we have to understand in parenting, even before the pandemic and God willing after, we need to understand that our children can feel everything we're feeling. In other words, just a small percentage of our communication is verbal. So much is nonverbal. So as parents, as sort of like the grown-ups in charge, we do so very much need to monitor our own expression, how much we let our, oh my God, come out. I'm not saying we need to be inauthentic, but we need to be grounding role models and sources of energy for our children. So if we're okay, they're okay. If we're not okay, they are definitely not going to be okay. So we need to settle ourselves to have some faith in tomorrow and to know that our, our, we are there primarily for our children so that they grow up with resilience. So what you're asking here, Anne, is like, how can we be resilient in the moment? And it is simply through these techniques of not being in the past or the future and coming back to right here, right now, and what the challenges for me in this moment. And if my child is saying, mommy, 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 I'm scared, then the challenge for me in this moment is to make my child feel safe. Yeah. Donna Rockwell, thank you for the great therapy session today and the wonderful advice. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, Anne. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Women Who Lead. I'm Ann Thomas, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend.